Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, Max. I wanted to share something with you. I wanted to tell you how grateful I am on how you've embraced your sobriety since day one. I'm grateful for how you changed your life. I'm grateful for the love you have for me. I'm grateful for you. Love, Mom. If your loved one is still struggling with addiction, you might not feel like you'll ever get to grateful. But we can show you how. At Karen, we've helped families overcome addiction for 70 years. So if your loved one is ready for something different, visit caron.org slash lost. Let the word go forth. Fool me once. Are you fired up? I'm not a crook. Are you ready to go? Shame on, shame on you. It's Abe Lincoln's Top Hat, hosted by Ben Kissel. Boom, you can't get fooled again. Hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome to the show. I am Ben Kissel, and I'm with Marcus Parks. Hello. Marcus Parks is ready to perform. He took out his Invisalign. We're ready to go. (laughs) Snapped it out. (laughs) Put it on my plastic sandwich bag on the table. I don't know why I think it's so disgusting. Maybe I'm normal, or maybe it's irrational. But it is, there's something I just I just know where it is. I know where it resides, and that kind of freaks me out a little bit. It's okay. That's all right. I understand. It's been a whole week in my mouth. It's fine. Yes. Yeah. That, that's what it is. That's what it is. That's what it, it spends is. all of its time in my mouth. <laughs> oh God. Yeah, that's a very personal place to be. Yes, it is. Mm, okay. Uh, we got a bunch of stuff to get to today. August twenty first. 2018. I would argue the biggest news day since November 8th, uh, 2016. Of course, this is regarding Michael Cohen pleading guilty to eight counts and Paul Manafort being found guilty on eight counts. Those counts, tax and bank fraud, false statements, being an unregistered agent of a foreign principal, and obstruction of justice. He was charged with 18. The jury, evidently, there was one juror who said, I'm not going to know he's innocent on those 10. (laughs) And so they said, all right, we'll just sentence him to 80 years uh, in prison or possibly 80 years in prison. So the right is saying, well, look at that. He only got eight charges, uh, found guilty on eight charges. It's a win. I don't think Paul Manafort thinks it's a win. Uh -uh. And I don't think Donald Trump thinks it's a win. But you know for a fact he's clicking that pardon pen as we speak. Yeah. And the uh, prosecutor. I mean, mistrial only means that they have to try again. Got to do it again? (laughs) What do you mean, man? We got to do all this again? And with a different judge, I would imagine. Well, this judge, he was interesting because I think we talked about this on the last episode where the jury wasn't sequestered at all. So there was one juror. And naturally, they are human beings. I hear they're our peers. Yeah, I hear that. I heard that. Um, although I'm sure Paul, Paul Manafort's like, who has an ostrich jacket here? <laughs> oh, none of you? Then none of you are my peers, are you? Okay, I'll go. Thank you. <laughs> One juror apparently was very vocal about how um, they believed that the defense wasn't doing nearly enough. And they're of like, the defense, the defense stinks. Their case is awful. And because of that person expressing that outside of uh, the jury situation, and I mean, outside of them 
them when they're having their little quorum there. Deliberations. Deliberations. Then it was a big problem, but they decided to just go ahead with it, despite the fact that this one juror maybe was a little a little drunk on jury power mm-hmm. and felt the need to express themselves publicly. Yes. one uh, The juror who spoke said uh, that someone found that the only reason they're like, yes, Paul Manafort, he's absolutely guilty of these crimes, but they wouldn't have gone after him if they weren't going after that witch hunt. Yeah. If they weren't witch hunting Trump. And so they thought it was unfair well, that th- Paul Manafort should be tried for crimes that he did commit, mm. uh, but because he got swept up in the fake news. There was an interview with another juror who wanted to believe that Paul Manafort was innocent, but then she was just like, they brought in four boxes, all of yeah. it. Uh, so much evidence. I wanted it to be true. I wanted him to be that innocent lobbyist in yeah. Washington, <laughs> the only innocent lobbyist in Washington over the past 40 years. Um, but obviously, the the evidence was so overwhelming, uh, the jury did convict again on eight charges. Really significant. This trial, a lot of Republicans are saying, well, no collusion. Donald Trump was up at one o'clock in the morning uh, today mm-hmm. tweeting, no collusion, witch hunt, rigged witch hunt. All caps. All caps. Lots of exclamation points. Lots of exclamation points. It really, well, he woke up from a fever dream <laughs> and then he just typed that right out. <laughs> R- really short for yeah. Donald Trump. Yeah. You know, usually he kind of goes on extrapolates a little bit almost like he's panicked almost (laughs) just almost maybe he was nervous for his big fox news interview oh which wasn't that a gem (laughs) we'll get to that in a second i will say go to bed just like go to sleep come on it's gonna be all right maybe uh because a lot of the republicans are saying no mention of the witch hunt no mention of russia and i'm air quoting when i say witch hunt uh, we have no idea what uh, what Mueller is going to end up finding here, and I can't wait to, to for the day the report finally drops. Yeah, it has to happen one of these days, right? It will. It Probably must occur next year sometime. I would imagine. Um, because the, this this whole uh, these convict or these convictions and these pleas, I mean, this has reinvigorated this investigation because oh yeah. it tells people there is it. Sh- we finally have fire for the first time. We've been saying mm. this for two years. There's a lot of sn- smoke, but where's the fire? And now the fire is here. Well, specifically the Michael Cohen case, which is separate from the Mueller investigation. But we'll get to that in a second. With Manafort, now he has another trial coming up. This yeah. man, is he's back to back. He's doing a double header. Yeah, going down to D.C. for this one. Going down and uh, to D.C. And this is where we're going to maybe, maybe Donald Trump is, um, you know, uh, implied to be a, an accomplice or something like that when it comes to Paul Manafort's Russian ties with all the oligarchs. Obviously, he's helped pro-Russian leaders in Ukraine. Um, so he has a lot of his, you know, hands in a lot of the honey pots over there in Russia. So this trial or the next trial, that's the one where we might end up hearing something about uh, Donald Trump. We don't know. I'm not going to hold my breath on it. Yeah. Uh, nor so that means I won't be walking fast either. I'm not going to get winded over it. <laughs> um, but that's the one. If you do wonder, like, why didn't we hear anything about that yet? That trial hasn't happened. That's how much trouble. Manafort's in. Yeah. I mean, most people have one of these trials maybe once in their life. If no one has any of these trials, number one. But if you are a corrupt lobbyist, you think maybe one trial. Yeah. This guy's got two of them. Two, so in, we'll a wait. Se- two in a season. Not bad. <laughs> Not bad. Hopefully he fares better um, in the next one than he did in the first one. Of course, going back. Hopefully he fares better. For him. Uh, yeah. Fuck him. Uh, well, 
hey, buddy. <laughs> There's someone at Etsy right now being like, I got to sell this piece of crap ostrich jacket. Where's the buyer? And the buyer is sitting there in prison, probably teaching people about finance. Trickle down economics. Sure. And if Paul Manafort is in jail, then that trickle down just ain't going to work, man. That's why we can't prosecute these white collar criminals. Because if we well, prosecute them, then who's going to be spending all this money and the entire American economy is going to fall apart? Who's going to buy one more $40 million yacht like Betsy DeVos did? <laughs> What's going to happen? So the one thing that we joked about a little bit earlier regarding Donald Trump and his pardoning ability, obviously he has the ability to pardon uh, Paul Manafort. He has said he's a very brave man. Mm -hmm. He loves that he went through with the trial and didn't cop a plea deal like so many others. And we'll break down all the people that have done that here in a minute. So it looks like he wants to just pardon Paul Manafort. Yeah. Will it happen? I probably would. Uh, but it's funny that he wants to do it now, even before sentencing. He's really getting ahead of it here. Obviously, he's pardoned people like Joe Arpaio and Dinesh D'Souza. So it's not going to be illegal, but it, I think it's going to um, lead. He's going to pay a political price for it because he he just seems like he's way over politicizing the pardon powers but that's the one power where he gets to be a little king and he can say <laughs> you're free to go and then he feels really good i guess i mean he's not going to pay any political price with his base i mean it, it's beyond i think his base is beyond uh, any sort of political price i think that they're absolutely beyond they'll find his base will find any way whatsoever uh to justify uh to yeah. sidestep they are they're in it like they're lost Trump's well, based they're they're lost they're they're gone until he is completely gone then that base is out of it the Donald, like they're out of the game Donald Trump is the most successful Republican president in our lifetime well successful it's crazy popular not yes. successful well he's also very successful if you're a Republican yeah, you, he's going to get two Supreme Court justices. He got all the tax reform. No, they really they like what he's doing. The economy is going well, but we can talk about that in a second. I want to I'll quote a little Ben Bernanke. Ah, uh, Bernanke. It's always it a fun up. show when we get to quote Ben Bernanke. <laughs> he's quite concerned about the ever looming bubble that might be bursting around 2019, 2020. If that happens, who knows? I mean, there's so much that can happen before then. If Donald Trump is even on the ticket, yeah. who knows what happens when the economy crashes? Because obviously. That's his main uh, bragging, bragging point right now. Yeah, but even we'll though say. that economic growth started long before he came in office. Yes, it did. Some and the, trade, and the, the, the trade wars are also uh, causing many jobs to go overseas, and they are doing nothing but hurting most of the Americans that it was supposed to help. Yep, and we haven't even seen the full ramifications of those yet, but I'm sure that we will mm -hmm. uh, in the relatively near future. So that's what's going on right now with Paul Manafort. He's wasting away in there. He's not wearing those white socks. He doesn't like white socks. He really? doesn't wear them. That's why he went sockless during the trial. <laughs> he did. He went, Are you fucking serious? He went sockless. <laughs> because yeah. he can't stand white socks? I mean, I kind of agree with him. White socks and loafers? Uh, that's almost as bad as white socks and sandals. Uh, or any sock and sandals. I suppose. He, he's very fashionable. <laughs> so he's there awaiting another trial. We'll see what happens with Donald Trump. Again, he has the right uh, to pardon him. It's possible he does it immediately or maybe he waits until both of the both of the trials are done 
or may, I don't know if he can just pardon people or pardon him twice. I have no idea. But nonetheless, that seems to be what Paul Manafort is angling for. Michael Cohen, on the other hand, of course, Donald Trump's number one guy. <laughs> he was the fixer that they, they call him the fixer because he calls himself the fixer. He was a really a vital lawyer for Donald Trump, worked with him for a couple of years here, almost a decade, I believe, a little bit over. He pleaded guilty to tax evasion, bank fraud, and campaign finance violations. Of course, this was also on October 21st. He could be getting 60 years, but because of the plea deal, he's probably going to get two to three years. So Mm -hmm. it's a pretty good offer for him. It's an offer he could not refuse. Of course, he's got two small children. He's got his wife. So I think he's looking out for them. He has said that he will say any anything to anyone mm-hmm. he is like come at me i'm looking to talk yeah so he might actually testify in congress which would be fascinating to see him under oath in congress talking about what donald trump knew what donald trump didn't know uh when it comes to the payments to stormy daniels and Karen mcdougall it's a rare time donald trump knew it uh he was not uh he was not uh, in the dark on that despite the fact that he pretended to be and saying that Michael Cohen was the one who made those payments with no knowledge of himself. But then, of course, he would be a horrible lawyer and Donald Trump would have to be a complete moron. Don't answer that. Um, <laughs> because if, if your lawyer is paying over 200,000 bucks to uh, women that you've had affairs with, um, you should probably know. Yeah. So that's it's it's ridiculous to even entertain the idea that Donald Trump didn't know that his lawyers paid off. All of the, uh, it paid all of this money, of course, during the campaign, which is why this is getting so much more heat. Those are counts seven and eight going against Michael Cohen. And that's where he says that he was working on behalf of a candidate for federal office. Uh-huh. So who could that be? Fox News. <laughs> Fox News, by the way, is just they are not covering it. No. Um, but they really said candidate for federal office. That was the official quote. And they're like, who could it be? Who could it we be? Go, it sounds like it might be Donald Trump. Is it Elizabeth Warren? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Is it Nancy Pelosi? It might be. Was it Hillary Clinton? Who? Hillary Clinton. Hillary Clinton. <laughs> I was on HLN today, and it's amazing how fast this woman got to talking about Hillary Clinton. And I'm like, it does not matter. Yeah. Um, the 33,000 emails, all this stuff was already fully investigated. They had, we had congressional hearings on all of this. We had a whole report. It's all been done. Yeah. Anyway, and she's not president. And uh, so that's the most important thing. Nonetheless, there's a lot of whataboutism, as they call it. Yes. So this is what Michael Cohen said. He says, I participated in this conduct, which on my part took place in Manhattan, the greatest city on earth, uh, for the principal purpose of influencing the election. That is where we get into uh, campaign finance violations. So Donald Trump is out here. These are counts seven and eight, the payments to Kara McDougal and the payments to Stormy Daniels. And he says, well, it didn't come from the campaign. Therefore, it's not a campaign finance violation. It came out of his own pocket doesn't understand what this means whatsoever. It's not yeah. that the campaign uh, needed to pay them off in order to, to uh, qualify as a campaign violation. If anything, now it's an in-kind political donation going well over, I think it's 2700 bucks, mm-hmm. going well over that to 130000 bucks and whatever Karen McDougal got. So then it's a campaign vi- a finance violation um, because of that reason. You can't. It's an illegal contribution to your campaign. It happened to come from one of their shell companies. Nonetheless, that is a campaign finance a finance violation. I mean, he's not going to see jail time over it or anything. No, but that is a fact. Well, I mean, what what it is that uh, it's not that it came from the campaign. That's not the problem here. The problem here is that it was a lot of money paid for the purpose of. 
influencing the election. And that's the thing is that right. it's a campaign violation. If you give money for the purposes of influencing the uh, election, then that is a campaign uh contribution violation there it is so and of course the the argument on the right is uh, and this is what the woman was talking about today on hln she's like well businessmen have affairs with sex workers she said prostitutes i think um all the time it's no big deal and donald trump the their their argument is he has paid off so many women in the past that now he just happens to be running for office but it's really just status quo. Yeah. It's just what you do. You pay off women every single w- once a month or something. I don't know what the hell he's doing. So that's their argument, saying that it doesn't matter that there was a campaign going on. I don't think it holds a lot of water because obviously Donald Trump wanted to keep these affairs quiet during the campaign because I guess it would have hurt him. He thought he would have hurt him, although at this point there's so much other stuff going on. Um, at least these two relationships were consensual. I'm surprised he didn't push them. Yeah. I mean, that's one of the fallacies that I think a lot of supporters are operating under uh, is that uh, when you are elected president, your life changes. The rules change. Yeah. You know, you don't get to keep living life exactly how you've always lived it. The rules change. You You get a dog. (laughs) You get a dog. You get a dog. You can't drive around anymore. You know, and you can't pay off porn stars for the purposes of influencing an election. You can't do these sorts of things. And they, they take your blood and they put it in the back of the car you know that <laughs> yeah i know they that. Got all that blood in the back of those cars yeah, they got a lot there's a lot of blood in the back of that car yes but yeah you're, the rules change the laws change and when i mentioned uh, the company the company was national Enquirer. this was involving the karen mcdougall uh payment so basically the national Enquirer paid this paid to get the story from karen mcdougall and then they didn't run the story they smothered the story they paid the, they paid for the story to make sure that no one saw the story so yeah. that it, it, it is really um corrupt it's yeah. very politically corrupt and obviously it's something that we all kind of already assumed to know yeah. but now that we have michael cohen actually under oath saying it in uh in court it's a big deal. Another interesting thing with the Cohen situation, that's all being tried in the Southern District of New York. As I mentioned before, it's outside of the Mueller probe. Mm-hmm. So Donald Trump doesn't have the same abilities to tinker with the Cohen situation as he does constantly with the Mueller situation, obviously, uh, you know, threatening to possibly fire Mueller or all these things that he's, you know, um, demonizing Rod Rosenstein, purging the... Um, Purging the Justice Department of anyone who doesn't align with himself politically, he's not going to be able to do that a similar thing with Cohen, although I believe the Cohen situation is now basically done uh, as he has pled uh, guilty to multiple counts. So Donald Trump, I think he's his uh, frustration seems to be if I if we can take Twitter um for what take twitter for what it is but if you look at his tweets it does seem like the frustration level is high and uh, he's getting caught in so many lies it looks horrible for him and we'll see if he's going to be able to uh, maintain the enough political clout to get anything else done or if uh, november comes and the blue wave occurs as some are predicting i don't know my fingers are crossed on like everything um <laughs> but if that does happen impeachment proceedings occur uh, that that could this could be the beginning of the end, but who knows? Who knows? I mean, Trump has uh, already tried to interfere with you know the New York state politics. Remember when he fired Preet Bharara? Yes. Well, you know now a lot of presidents kind of clean house there, right? 
So Preet but is it, Preet's happy. I think Preet's thrilled. <laughs> He's got the number one podcast yeah. in New York. Yeah, he he did get uh, he did get a little <laughs> bit of he got a little bit of shine off of that one. He uh, did, but there I don't think it's a coincidence that Donald Trump just happened to purge uh, New York State of somebody that could have very well done quite a bit of damage to him. Well, of course, Preet Bharara, he was Bharara, 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 I met him at uh, at uh, Montreal. Oh, yeah. He was at the comedy festival. Very nice. Yes, he was very nice. He now, uh, he was um, Southern District. Who else had that job? Rudy Giuliani. (laughs) So that's really interesting. And Giuliani, when he held that position, was really well liked. Yeah. Everyone held held him in high esteem, all he that stuff. He dismantled the New York mob families. He dismantled a bunch of folks that, now he's, that he, now he's working for, <laughs> which is interesting. Hey there, Ben Kitzel for Software Advice. Marcus and I know about politics and podcasting, but not always everything else we need to know to keep the studio running. That's why we have a network of folks to call when microphones don't work, websites go down, or just whenever we've got a real head-scratcher of a problem. When it comes to getting advice on what software to use, we've got our new go-to people, Software Advice. When it comes to picking the right software for your business, Software Advice has done all the research for you. Their team of advisors can point you in the right direction so you can start working more effectively right away. And it's my favorite price. It's absolutely free. Just go to softwareadvice.com slash Abe and answer a few short questions about your business. You'll be connected with an advisor to discuss the best software options for your needs. Talking to an advisor takes just 10 minutes or less. Whether you're a medical professional, a construction manager, an HR pro, you name it. Software advice will save you time and help you make a more informed decision. And if you're an entrepreneur like me or you work solo, software advice is a great way to get an expert opinion, even without the resources of a big company. These experts are ready to be your on-call go team to help you figure out business software in minutes for free. Why wouldn't you start here? End the software struggle today. Go to softwareadvice.com Abe to get started. That's softwareadvice.com Abe to connect with an advisor for free. Softwareadvice.com Abe. But so Preet, actually, he does have a lot because um, out of all the areas of New York State, that's the one that has Wall Street, has all the big banks. I mean, it's a really big, big time position, bigger than most, because, again, we're dealing with also counterterrorism. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's a huge um, uh, piece piece of land to be, you know, to kind of be in charge of. He calls himself kind of a governor, kind of a judicial governor in some ways. And uh, so he has a lot of credibility when it comes to these conversations. And, you know, he seems to be um, someone who is consistently skeptical of Donald Trump and his administration. And you get the feeling he's pretty happy, judging by the interviews that I saw regarding the Michael Cohen and the Manafort trial. I'd imagine. So that's where we're at with that. Um, We don't know exactly what's going to happen going forward, but it should be fascinating. So the amount of people now who have pled guilty or have been found guilty, obviously the aforementioned Paul Manafort, Michael Cohen, Rick Gates. Rick Gates was the number one guy attacking Paul Manafort on the stand, and they're like, you had an affair. And then he's like, I had four. And you're like, oh, cool. <laughs> That's how that went. Uh, this dude, Alex Van Der Swan. Mm-hmm. Alex Van Der Swan. Van Der Swan. Man, they're just rich. Yeah. That's a rich name, That's huh? a very Van rich Der name. Swan. 
Where did they come up with that? <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> this guy, Richard Panetta, he was a uh, Panetto. He was a California man who sold bank accounts online. He was uh, he pled guilty to identity fraud, mm-hmm. interestingly enough. Of course, Michael T. Flynn, he was the former national security advisor. He, was, he pled guilty to lying to the FBI about the conversations he had with the Russian ambassador. We know George Papadopoulos, again, lying to the FBI. The 13 Russian nationals and Konstantin V. Kliminik, and of course the 12 Russian intelligence agency officers. So this, the list continues on. When yeah. it comes to a witch hunt, I guess they're finding a bunch of witches. So you have to wonder, is it valid or is it not valid? The right says it's not. It seems like tell Manafort and tell Cohen it's not and tell all those other folks who were looking at significant senses, mm-hmm. uh, sentences that it's not real because it's certainly real to them. Very real to them. And here's the thing about flipping. You want, I want to talk about flipping Donald Trump a talked second. a lot about flipping. <laughs> Apparently he knows uh, many, many people who have been forced to flip, and then I have to say, who are you hanging out with? Exactly. Well, Donald Trump, is uh, he worked with the mob quite a bit when he was here in New mm-hmm. York City, so he knows all about flipping. Uh, but the thing is about flipping, and that's the thing about you know Gates, uh, and that's the other thing about Cohen as well, is that these people are not the sole source of information no. uh, that the attorneys have. What these people are... When someone flips, that means that they have that the attorney's office has other evidence. Yeah, they're just Them like flipping is just strengthening that evidence. Just little transformers, and they yeah. all come together. What's the name of Megatron? <laughs> uh, yeah, Megatron. Yes, and at some point, Megatron, or in this case, the Russian collusion investigation, or just the Russia investigation in general, uh, that is going perhaps going to form a legal Megatron yeah. going against. Uh, Donnie and his uh, administration. And not even, uh, and that's the, the funny thing about it is, that, and I think we uh, mentioned this a couple of years ago, uh, that, you know, it's very possible that they don't find any Russian collusion. But yeah, what I mean, they, they are, haven't yet. But what they are finding is all of the other dirty shit that these yeah, people were involved in. Anyone who is surrounding the situation is just like, can you not, can you just stop? Yeah. Because that's absolutely true. And that's the, that's one of the, again, complaints about the Mueller investigation Attempting to find a crime allows you to really bloom an onion, Mm -hmm. uh, to use my favorite little food analogy, (laughs) but you can really blossom it out. You can really spread it out very far as opposed to knowing there's a crime, identifying said crime, and then persecuting or prosecuting the people um, that were uh, engaged in that crime. But when you're trying to find it. My God, he's finding he's finding a bunch of stuff. It's like when you lose your keys and then you find like an old flashlight and the pair yeah. of shoes, cool. but you never find the keys. Like whenever yeah. you're looking for something else, you always find everything. You're yeah. like, oh, there's a, that old eighth. Wow, I didn't realize I had marijuana in the house still. Well, I mean, but there is also something to be said with uh, how many ties the people around Donald Trump have to, you know, Russian oligarchs and well, to the Russian government. There are, are there's it keeps popping up again and again. Oh, yes. There's something to be said for that. He's got a lot of friends out there. He's trying to build hotels and things like that. Mm-hmm. Speaking of national security advisors, today uh, John Bolton was asked in an interview if he thought that Donald Trump was um, a danger to national security, if he was a security threat. And uh, some people say that's a that's a rude question. That's a crazy question. That's a rude but question. They're rude and, and inappropriate. <laughs> we heard a lot of that, rude and inappropriate. But the problem is we have a man in the office 
who is allowing a question like that to be valid yeah. because of his actions. You know, I mean, we have the Russian sanctions, which I talked about this week on RT. They are so funny. Yeah, they are. They they are really going down the road like because the sanctions are bad for Russia. And then so they're like, Donald Trump is the meanest president and all this kind of stuff. But in reality, of course, Donald Trump hesitantly enacted those sanctions. Those were passed through Congress and uh, and the Russian the Kremlin, Vladimir Putin are not happy about it. I'm sure there's going to be some kind of retaliation uh, in their own right. But when it comes to um, Donald Trump being seen as a possible, uh, you know, a national security threat, those questions are valid because of the performance that he gave over in Helsinki, yep. where he sided publicly with former KGB Vladimir Putin over the U.S. intelligence agencies. And, you know, as we've talked about, the U.S. intelligence agencies, I mean, I am not like in love with them. Yeah, um, but that is not. why that question is valid, because the man uh, is publicly siding with a foreign leader, specifically <laughs> Vladimir Putin of Russia, over the U.S. intelligence agency and the president theoretically is supposed to side with the United States, I would think. So that's why that question was a valid question. But when it comes to um, when it comes to Donald Trump, national security, it's interesting. Um, I want to point out this just one little thing that's been you know what it has been stuck in my craw in your craw. It's huh? stuck in my craw Been grinding your gears a little bit. <laughs> Former NSA chief uh, in Hayden, I believe it's Michael Hayden. Mm-hmm. He is all over MSNBC, all over CNN. We have all of these guys, Brennan, the likes. They're all over the place. And I understand they don't like Donald Trump, so they want to have them on television and say this is why Donald Trump is horrible. But I don't want the left to totally lose sight. The NSA is a horrible spy program. It's completely unconstitutional. This man was the head of it. Yeah. I also have a hard time looking at his face and being like, oh, just because you don't agree with Donald Trump as a person, I'm not going to sit here and just say, like, well, the NSA, thank God they're here. Thank <laughs> God the NSA leader is here, the former head of it, because I think it's still a corrupt um, it's a it's a corrupt place. And as we learned through multiple whistleblowers, reality winner, by the way, that's her name. She got sentenced to five years. She's going to be serving more time than Michael Cohen for crying out loud for I've, leaking to the press. I forgot about her. Yeah, she yeah. Went under the radar. I mean, my goodness, everyone in this administration would uh, get at least five years of leaking to the press was such a big deal there. Um, obviously, it was a different uh, set of rules, uh, you know, given her position and everything like that. So. I just want to remember that here, like the NSA is still bad uh, in many ways. And these people who are coming out of these intelligence community agents that are coming out against Donald Trump, some are fine, some are not. It is what it is. But at the same time, they're not like the, the greatest people on the face of the planet. They are still part of, in my personal opinion, um, institutions in government that are unconstitutional. So, yeah. and the, you know, anyway, so I, I just mean- want to I just want to point that out because I just hate the salivating over like. Even Mueller, to some degree, he's still just a he's a dude who has publicly said he likes to put folks in prison. Yeah, I don't know. These aren't like great people. I get that they are fighting for a cause that you currently like, but let's just not lose sight of that too much. I mean, I have to keep myself from you know rooting too much for these people sometimes because I, yeah. I think what we've fallen into uh, here is we've fallen into a movie. Like we all believe that we're Ooh. in some sort of movie, and we want to think that there are good bo- good guys and there are bad guys. You right. know, we want to think that uh, the people, you know, the intelligence communities. We want to think that those are the people in the intelligence communities that we know from movies. Uh, right. And we want to think that it's the movie FBI and the movie C. CIA and the movie NSA uh, that is looking out for our interests at all times, hmm. and we want to see Donald Trump as the villain. We want to say, Mr. Hayden, 
not ready for prime time. <laughs> he looks like that is not uh, that's not an actor's face. Yeah, he is <laughs> uncomfortable. But in reality, you know, it's a lot more complicated than of that. Course. Like I, I think of, there are a lot of people in the NSA and the CIA and the FBI that truly believe that Donald Trump is a dangerous person. I am uh, sure of that. And yes. and they are and they are absolutely have the they absolutely do have the best interests of America in mind. Like sure. they they got into these a lot of these people got into these jobs because they wanted to serve their country. Absolutely. You know, they totally. Ab- they absolutely did. But not all of them. Like not no. not all of them got in for altruistic reasons, and no, you know, some of them it, were just there because like my dad did it. And he <laughs> sent me, and I gotta go to West Point. And, yeah. You know, that's, uh, that's and, true too. And you also have to keep in mind that you know these guys, these are intelligence agents. Right, they play the long game, and yes. so and these people know uh, that the more mm. they go out and they speak out against Donald Trump, the more you will trust them, and the more you, the more you will like them, and the more you will trust them. Right. So when Donald Trump over when it's all over and done with because he it will be over it has to be it, it will absolutely be over one way or another yeah. but when it's over those people now have your trust they now have your affection and you got to remember that they are not going to stay the good guys forever no i mean these are people that have already taken away a lot of your rights they've taken away a lot of your privacy rights that's been going on since the fucking patriot act back in 2001 yeah. you know we've had a, a slow erosion of our rights for years upon years upon years mm-hmm. uh, and while it is good that these people are fighting for us in one way or another it's absolutely it's very it's very good we cannot lose sight of the long game here right. we can't well, lose sight of the bigger picture yeah I completely agree so that is important but I understand why people are so reliant on these folks right now because they see them as the the heroes we need for the moment and, for, and in a way we'll they say. are in, in a, a way they are in a, in a way, way they, they are in a I don't, way they absolutely are you know John Brennan, obviously, this is on the heels of Brennan having his security, uh, former national security advisor, having his security clearance waived. And, uh, you know, so I understand there is a he is actively attacking the institution on a regular basis. And they are now pushing back against him. And again, if you're one of those diehard Trump supporters, I think you can spin that and say, well, look at that. He's taken on the intelligence agencies. In theory, I'm not completely against it. But then why is he doing it for his own self-interest, for his own self-preservation with zero um, tenants or zero? uh, He's not motivated by like the defense of the Constitution, even in rhetoric. It's not. It's it's all very the Constitution. I don't know. He can't stand the Constitution. I know. I love the Constitution. I love number one, number seven, (laughs) number eight. It's series of numbers, right? Yeah. He doesn't understand the Constitution. (laughs) Yeah. He has no. He has. He barely has a grasp on the difference between the three branches of government. Well, let's go in now. So Donald Trump has actually talked about if he's impeached. Yeah. This was in the Fox News interview. Oh, this Fox it News was, interview. It was hard. You know what though? It's funny because everyone's like, they should they should like hit harder on him. But I actually think they do it. He's so comfortable. Just let him talk. Just let him talk. <laughs> it's the classic interview trick where just you just go uh-huh. and we'll just see if you if you tie your own uh you know if you tie the anchor around your ankle or not. Uh-huh. Um and I, he does on a regular basis. So oh, they, yeah. I mean he's had some of his more embarrassing interviews on Fox and Friends. The call when he just called in and would just rant it for 20 minutes and like i think it's so what is it peter Ducey or something like that they're like oh even for us that was wow mr president whoa, whoa. yeah that's the thing about interviewing is you only like ask questions when the interviewee is like going nowhere or being boring yeah. like if they just keep talking and saying wacky shit 
You let him go. Let him roll. Oh, and Donald yeah. Trump, you we can say a lot about him. He's definitely not boring. That's for certain. Uh, specifically not in today's culture and media society. Mm. We, we love to be entertained, even if it's at the expense of entire classes of individuals, such as specifically immigrants, um, who, by the way, the Tibbetts situation, we can talk about that here in a second, because the way that it has been politicized, this is uh, this is um, well, Steinle times a thousand. It's disgusting. And it's re- it really is disgusting. So um, and obviously the murder is absolutely horrendous. The mansion to Ben here. I get all of that. Of but course. the way that they are covering it as opposed to covering something like the Cohen situation or the Cohen pleads or the Manafort trial. It's just such an obvious smokescreen. Yes. Um, So Donald Trump, he was in this interview, giving this interview to Fox, and this is what he said regarding impeachment. He said, if anyone, if they want to impeach me, I don't know. Everyone, everyone's going to be extremely poor. Yeah. If they do it, if I get out of office, everyone's going to be extremely poor, which is completely insane. The man takes credit for everything. Um, takes blame for nothing. Mm -hmm. That's just kind of classic Trump. But the idea that somehow everyone is going to be poor if he's not president is one of the most audacious lines he's ever uttered, and he has uttered a lot of crazy sentences. Yeah. But, I don't, people, but some people will believe it. Oh, many of people course, will believe of it. Of course they will, but we yeah. can't play to them all the time. Yeah, of course. So many people are going to believe when he, he said they believe anything that he says. As opposed to now when they look outside their window, and I'm not maligning anybody, but perhaps they have a car that's you know jacked up, no wheels on it, and they're like, well, without Trump, I'd be poor. It's like, I don't know, with Trump, you might not be doing that well. Dude, uh, Trump supporters also, are, so, Trump supporters like the most hardcores, they're not that poor. Like they're really the hardcore. I mean, I don't he's know. Got, he's got supporters of he, all he, he, of all wealth. I know he does, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I yeah. think it's a a huge mistake to think of all Trump supporters as a bunch of toothless rednecks in oh, a trailer. Course, like, we have to remember that Trump supporters run the gamut from <clears throat> the very poor to the very rich. There's a very lot. Rich. There's a lot of middle class suburbanites uh, that are sitting behind their computers and just figured out Twitter a year ago. Ooh. You know, there's there's a lot of those people out there. I will there. say, though, the, the support amongst that group of Trump supporters seems to be erod- eroding a little bit more um, so. than, the, than the more hardcore, um, more working class voters. I mean, you look at West Virginia. West Virginia is doing very well. I'm very happy for them. Um, but, you know, so he, he will always have support amongst a certain group of people. He, and he does focus on them. He really works hard uh, to get their attention. And they believe everything he says, which also really helps. I think that's a two-way street. Mm -hmm. So him saying that, obviously completely ridiculous. I want to quote uh, Ben Bernanke. You know, he is the former chair of the Federal Reserve, Marcus. I remember Bernanke. Burn it down? (laughs) Don't burn it down. It doesn't matter. Don't burn it down. It doesn't matter. (laughs) He's the former chair, and he's predicting that or the former head and he is predicting now that the bubble is going to collapse and roughly or pop in about 2019 2020 and obviously that would have horrible ramifications for uh, the republican party as a whole and who knows how many seats they have in the house at that point anyway depending on what happens here again in november so um that's his prediction and there's going to be a lot of people who i think the rug is going to be pulled out from under 
I don't know if they realize what's happening yet with the repeal of certain legislation that uh, stopped banks from making really high-risk loans. That's what led to the housing bubble in the first place. Banks were like, here you go. And then everyone's like, I don't got it to give you back. And they way overbuilt. And the the uh, what was assumed to be the... Um, the price of the homes were uh, turned out to be dramatically lower than they predicted. So uh, hence the bubble burst. And that's what it seems like to a lot of economic experts. That seems to be what we're seeing in real time now. And we've talked about this as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, we do seem to see the the balloon blowing up here. And, uh, and inevitably, like a good Flaming Lips concert, it will pop. But instead of beautiful confetti, it's just going to be a lot of useless, uh, useless uh, banknotes yeah. uh, that's going to fly out of there. Bernanke also mentioned uh, the tax cuts, right? He's like, you know, the economy, it's good. It is good. You know, we had 600,000 new people just enter the workforce. It's good so for that's the extremely good. rich. Well, it's good for a lot of people, but, um, you know, it's good for small businesses and stuff. The lack of regulation helps them. The big businesses are always fine. They, they love all this stuff. They're like they they're we're damned if we do damned if we don't. And they're fine no matter what. It's like ridiculous. So that that is good. It's under, uh, you know, it's a, they say around three point eight percent unemployment with the six hundred thousand new people in the workforce. And that didn't even affect the numbers because we don't count people who just say they're done. Yeah. Which is ridiculous. Well, is that but, I mean, is that six hundred thousand part time workers or full time workers? Well, that's just not even it's just people entering the workforce. Just people entering. So so it's just it's just maybe part time, maybe full time. Um, but those are people who are previously either taking uh, government assistance or, again, just people who are just like, I'm done yeah. working or there's <laughs> nothing out here for me. So, therefore, I'm not even going to be counted in the unemployment numbers, which I don't I don't even understand why that is what it is. Yeah. But nonetheless, that is. So he was saying, uh, again, this Ben Bernanke character, like his first name, last name, I don't know. But um, <laughs> they they might be. Um, pushing it too hard, pushing this relatively good economy too hard, overheating the economy. And that's his big concern going forward. So I'm assuming that we'll see something similar to what he's predicting here coming up in the near future. And then who knows what that means politically. Once Donald Trump or once the Republican Party don't have that, that's really one of their that's one of their cornerstones when it's like everything seems to be there's a lot of things going in the wrong direction, specifically when it comes to the morale of the country and the messaging from the White House. I mean, just division, uh, so much divisiveness and obviously what's going on with ICE and immigration. I think that's going to be really that's a big stain on this government. And it's a big stain on this country that's going to have to be corrected in the very near future, hopefully. But they they always just say the economy. So once they don't have the economy, it's going to be much more difficult for them to sell their argument to the American people that they're doing better. Uh, with them in charge than with the other side. And it's, you know, it's not just uh, immigration that's going to be a huge stain from these years. It's also going to be environmental policy. Uh, environmental policy under Donald Trump has been absolutely horrendous. All the thing, all the regulations that are being rolled back, they're bringing asbestos back for fuck's sake. That's what killed my grandfather. <laughs> it really they're bring, is. They're bringing it back. They're bringing it's, asbestos back? Yeah, you didn't hear this story? No, they yes. probably shouldn't. It's they, a cancer-causing no, they're, they're substance. Bring, they're bringing asbestos back. They're, really? Yeah, they're loosening up the restrictions on asbestos. Uh, these things are going to have huge effects on us for years upon years upon years. They're trying to open yeah, up all these wildlife reserves. No, I don't like the asbestos thing. Hey, guys, Ben Kissel here for Stamps.com. Is there anything better than getting what you want right when you want it? Like this show. 
Marcus and I can catch you up on the week's news at home, on the go, wherever and whenever is convenient for you. So why are you still schlepping over to the post office to mail letters and packages when you can get postage on demand with Stamps.com? With Stamps.com, you can access all the fantastic services of the post office right from your desk 24-7 when it's convenient for you. Buy and print official U.S. postage for any letter, any package, using your own computer and printer. And the mail carrier picks it up. Just click, print, mail, and you're done. It couldn't be easier. You already know how much we here at LPN love Stamps.com. They make it easy for us to stay on top of shipping out merchandise and important letters. And the less time we spend running back and forth to the post office means the more time we have to bring you the shows you love. If you've got stuff to mail, ship, or send, I recommend Stamps.com. Right now, use Top Hat for this special offer. Includes up to $55 free postage, a digital scale, and a four-week trial. Don't wait. Go to Stamps.com before you do anything else. Click on the radio microphone at the top of the homepage and type in Top Hat. That's Stamps.com. Enter Top Hat. Yeah, Donald Trump says, going back to what we were talking about with the with what he's bragging about, he says, we haven't even been two years. Biggest tax cuts in history. Soon to be two unbelievable Supreme Court justices. I'm sure that Justice Kavanaugh will be approved. Justice Gorsuch has been a star. You know that? I always think of Justice Gorsuch as a star. I'm like, yeah. It's like Meryl Streep and Justice Gorsuch. Just the two biggest stars around. He says, you look at things that we've done with regulations. The economy is the best it has ever been in history. The It's the best it's been in 50 years. But we have a we've been around for a longer than that. The only thing I'm doing badly uh, in is the press doesn't cover me fairly. So the only thing that he is doing badly in is the press doesn't cover him fairly. Uh-huh. So that is like saying my biggest flaw is I work too hard. It's, like that is he can't like it's, it's the most it's, nar- his, it's the most narcissistic statement he could possibly make. Well, my just, only flaw is people don't like me. The it, well that's amazing. <laughs> But it is funny because he doesn't understand also, like, he is the one who is giving them so much red meat. He gives them so much fodder. You can manipulate the press to some degree by your personality alone. Mm -hmm. And he just, you know, he tries to, like, strong arm them and all these things. But the tweets speak for themselves and just how he performs in front of the media. That's what they cover. Yeah. Anyway, so that that's Donald Trump talking on Fox and Friends, certainly feeling the fire, uh, feeling the heat underneath his weird little feet. And uh, that is probably why he went to give this interview today. And that's what he does. He yeah. was at a rally this week when the when the Manafort uh, trial was concluding. Didn't mention it whatsoever. Uh, hasn't mentioned Cohen in public um, at his rallies. That's his little safe space. And uh, that's where he goes when he is feeling under attack. I mean the I mean by far the most dangerous thing that he said during the Fox and Friends interview uh, was saying that flipping almost ought to be outlawed. It's right. not fair. Uh, and that I mean that's what a mob mm. boss is. I mean well, uh, th- this is uh, this is mob type talk that this guy is going th- that this guy is funny. He just he does talk a lot. He's like I've had a lot of friends. Yeah. They flipped. I've uh, had and I'm like how I've many friends have you had needed to flip? <laughs> but I will say I mean, this. These I guys know this I, I will say this though. And I, I know he's not talking in this context, but plea deals can be predatory. They and so but again it's not because uh, no, it's Donald, not, but he that is I, I'm not saying this is not what he's talking about. No, this but is I not what he's talking you, about at all. Plea no, deals no, no. can be yeah. very predatory, course, and oh. they can they throw the book at a lot of kids. Specifically, you know, if you look at what they do at Rikers Island with the people who can't pay 
50 bucks and then they say take the plea deal or you're here for five years even if you're innocent or not so i understand he's not talking that, about it, that no, but no. i just want to make that point about plea deals yeah, yeah. he's not he's not even he's talking about white yeah. collar crime he's, he's not different. talking about that in any way whatsoever uh because what i think another thing that he doesn't uh realize or that he doesn't know uh, is that if the prosecution finds out that this person is lying in any way whatsoever and even the smallest way oh under oath like if michael cohen if, lied. Mi- if michael cohen is lying about anything oh, he's, he's getting the maximum sentence oh he's done i mean he's absolutely he's I mean, over he is getting the maximum sentence he is over and done with like people life. don't flip willy-nilly like they don't no, just it's they don't, horrifying it's horrifying like they they do not do this right. just to get out of something yes you, you can't do that no uh, it's a they make it impossible to do that people don't people don't flip because they know if they flip if they, they know if they lie about it their ass is nailed to the wall right right yeah i mean again we should do we can false confessions on a on a smaller scale very common well, in this situation completely false, different i mean that's false confession i mean we're talking because those it's not going any higher than those guys than the false confessions and the plea deals like right. that's that's the, because those well, guys that's are what donald trump was yeah he was yeah. talking about how they flip and they try to take down the person on top and all this kind of stuff that's i mean how, it just shows you that's, that's what he does that's that those are the people that he has associated himself yeah. but we knew that i mean it's in atlantic city he's in the, he's in yeah. the casino game i mean he's watched organized crime rings be dismantled for yeah. decades i mean he I mean, he's an Atlantic City, Manhattan real estate developer. Which is so bizarre that now Rudy Giuliani, I want to talk about the DOJ here in a second with Jeff Sessions, who I don't even know what his weird life is like right now. <laughs> um, he's got to be looking in the mirror just being like, what did I do to myself? Oh, no. What, what? I, no. Oh, man. <laughs> Why did I say yes to this? I should just be a senator again. Because <laughs> um, it's a night. This was his dream job. I don't yeah. never get your dream job. Oh, I think no. Maybe that's the message, because it seems like it could really turn into a nightmare. <laughs> um with Donald Trump and with Rudy Giuliani, going back to Giuliani here for a second. Woo, my goodness. Of course, <laughs> he's got a lot of lawyers working behind the scenes. Donald does. But Rudy is the one that's on the television screen. He's on the uh, in front of any camera that will allow his, you know, uh, bizarre uh, body to be in. Uh, and uh, he was talking about truth. And he made a massive gaffe, another gaffe. This was on Meet the Press. Did you watch that interview? I saw some of it, yes. It was absolutely fascinating. And so basically, he's on there. Chuck Todd, who I don't know how Chuck Todd got the job, but I guess he's doing fine. He's I fine. Um, and he's talking about the truth. And he's like, the truth isn't truth. The truth is not truth. And then he was trying to make this point. Uh, basically, he was trying to argue. He said, he said, what's the truth? Yeah. But it came across as so unbelievably... Orwellian. Um, Orwellian. Yeah. Yeah. It was just, you know, the truth isn't the truth. The lie is the truth. And I don't think that was the point he was trying to make, but that's exactly what everyone heard, specifically given, uh, you know, on the heels of everything that Kellyanne Conway has said. Alternative facts. uh, All that kind of stuff. So the administration still playing in that kind of murky world. And every time of like, what's the truth? And every time I go on one of these television shows, that's exactly what the counterpoint does. They always pivot. They always flip. And they just start throwing a bunch of random things out about Hillary, about the Democrats, about the so-called deep state. Deep state, by the way, folks, it's just people who have government jobs. Yeah, it's all. There's no like really massive um, 
dangerous collective of deep state employees. They're just state employees. They're just federal employees who go in, clock out, and want to get the hell home. I mean, there are people that uh, I would say there are people out there, like what we were talking about earlier, like there are people out there that do want control. They so, do they, they do absolutely want to do nefarious shit with their positions, uh, but it, it ain't as organized as all that, you know? Well, no, it's impossible. Like, there's so many people, the bureaucracy is so difficult to navigate. Even just producing at Fox News for that one year, it's a nightmare. Yeah. You're, it's an invisible prison <laughs> is what it is because everyone's got their roles they're very defined and you just don't step out of line and those those folks people who get into that uh field of work they don't step out of line yeah i believe the the one guy who came out uh he was formerly with the cia he came out uh, what's his name mcgravy let's say it's mcgravy <laughs> mcgravy mcgravy no maybe maybe i'm just hungry but nonetheless uh he came out and he was and this guy wrote a book about how to make your bed mm-hmm. he like his whole thing is uh like the small things matter uh-huh. and he came out and publicly uh denounced donald trump and a lot of people thought that that was quite extraordinary because these intelligence officers, they're not necessarily extroverts. And so he was a he's a real quiet guy. And the fact that he came out and said, Donald Trump is, uh, you know, acting like a uh, lunatic drunk on power was a big deal. William McRaven. McRaven, even cooler than McGravy. McRaven. Very cool name. Very cool. Very cool. Yes. Admiral William McRaven. Yes. So the consensus is uh is official when it comes to ex members of the intelligence community saying donald we don't like what you're up to we don't appreciate you uh undermining our jobs and again other than certain programs that i disagree with as we're seeing on a regular basis now cyber warfare that's the future yes i know it's space force but then the second future is uh is cyber warfare mm-hmm. that's happening right now and we've already seen a couple of uh, i believe there were democrats that said they were hacked into it's happening regularly those people need to be there we need to we need to have them uh the front lines of defense absolutely significant and extremely important you know before we worry about space force, space let's, force. let's teach lindsey graham how to send an email first Let's start with that. Let's make sure hmm. all of our Congress people know how to send email. Maybe the pigeons are messing up. <laughs> love a good messenger pigeon. Yeah, I love a good pet messenger mm. pigeon too. But let uh, because the cyber warfare—that's what really matters. Space really warfare is, is. I mean, I understand the whole thing with the satellites and all that, but we've already got people on that. We've already got, we got there, NASA doing we've it. We've already got people on mm. protecting our satellites. Dark money. Let's worry about cyber warfare because that is. Did you read the the story about uh, the uh, what is it? A fourteen year old hacked into. I um, can't remember which state it was, but he la- hacked into their voting rolls, and he was like, "Yeah, I hacked into it in ten minutes, and I'm not even that good." Really? Yeah. I mean, it was a fourteen year old boy was able to mm. hack in. I mean, it's, nice to see a kid engaged in democracy. <laughs> like there, it's really it, our cybersecurity when it comes to our elections, and also when it comes to our power grid, uh, when it comes to a lot of extremely important things that we don't even think about mm-hmm. uh, is uh, we are woefully underprepared for all of it. Absolutely. And we, I mean, they got as we learned the Russian farms, all that, and you know the Chinese are uh, working their tails off at cyber warfare. That is the war of the now. Yeah. And we have to be really, really careful. So when Ooh, I say I like that, the war of the now. It's the war of the now. <laughs> All right. And I want to do one more thing here on Jeff Sessions. Jeff Sessions 
finally fired back at Donald Trump. He's been taking the abuse pretty good. I mean, he's just kind of been the whipping boy, hasn't really said too much publicly. Attorney General Jeff Sessions fired back uh, today. This is Thursday at at President Trump saying he never took control of the Justice Department, putting out a sharp statement vowing the agency won't be, quote, improperly influenced by politics. Uh, This was Trump on Fox and Friends. Um, he he made a wide it was a wide ranging interview. The president on the heels of the first guilty vote, verdict from a trial connected to special counsel Robert Mueller's probe continued to fume over Sessions recusal. This is what he said. He said Jeff Sessions never took control of the Justice Department. And it's sort of an incredible thing. But Jeff Sessions countered in a written, written statement. So that's pretty bold for him. Very bold. I'll write something. <laughs> hey. Oh, I'm going to write something. You keep on picking on me. Has anybody seen my tiny pen and paper? Oh, I'm going to write something. (laughs) He says, uh, I took control of the justice. I took control of the Department of Justice the day I was sworn in, which is why we have had unprecedented success at effectuating the president's agenda. On that protects... Uh, one one that protects the safety and security rights of the American people, reduces violent crime, enforces our immigration laws, promotes economic growth, and advances religious liberty. I sound like Detective Popcorn, but that's what he sounds like. I was thinking you sound more like Michael Jackson. Hey, all right. He went on to say, while I'm Attorney General, the actions of the Department of Justice will not be improperly uh, influenced by political considerations. So I think Jeff Sessions is kind of having enough. And when Donald Trump, when it's all said and done, when he is really getting nailed to the wall, whether it be when he's in office or out of office, obviously the the, the going consensus still is you can't uh, indict a sitting president. Although Ken Starr, going back to the 90s, some Republicans had a different statement on that. I've had some different thoughts. They've evolved yes. since then. I don't know why, <laughs> but uh, who knows? But when when Donald Trump is down, when he is uh, facing some of the, um, you know, dealing with some of the ramifications of his actions, n- no one's going to be supporting him. No. No one. Well, the only people that are going to be supporting him are the ones that could go down with him. Perhaps, but he is the big guy. Yeah. So they're doing the flips. Yeah. They're flipping. They're they're flipping up. But I, I would imagine that if there is corruption on the scale that some people think there is, that uh, the Justice Department is going to want to weed out uh, as many of them as humanly possible. Mm, uh, and if they have to purge. weed out, and if we have to weed out the guy at the top, then uh, you know, or if they have to weed out the guy at the top, uh, then they're going to do that. That's a coup, Marcus. <laughs> You're suggesting a coup. I'm not suggesting. We do a have to coup. be really. Be careful. I don't I, want to set the president of just I, like, let's let's get rid of him. No, we gotta... I'm not suggesting a coup in any way whatsoever. That was a, a coup. No, that's not a coup. I'm talking <laughs> about weeding them out lawfully. I'm talking <laughs> about weeding them out using the American judicial system as is laid out in the Constitution of the United States. I'm not These United States? These United States. All right. Sounds like a bit of a coup to me. <laughs> I'm not talking about them showing up at Jeff Sessions' office and pointing a gun at his head. You know, I'm not talking about anything like that. I'm talking about uh-huh. them actually using the letter of the law to root out corruption wherever it may be in these United States. Whether it be a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent, we must root out corruption well, in all its forms oh, and in a, all levels. There's a pigeon coming in from Lindsey Graham's office. What's its? Coo. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely right. not. And no, we'll, of course. And yeah. that's why it's important. You got to vote in November. Yeah, you got to. Uh, hopefully, got to. If you vote for the candidate that best fits you. Um, and for the country, um, hopefully they're good. It's just we can we can only hope that everyone has an option. Mm-hmm. Um, we could get out there and vote. And then also, I mean, you know, 
um, just go through the process and go through the proceedings. Once you know, once the Republicans no longer control House, Senate, and um, and the White House, it, it, you know, things will change a yeah, little bit. They will. Once investigations are actually able to go forward, things like that. Right now, everything in Congress, like you would think Congress would actually be really on the forefront of leading the Russian investigation. You're like, what's going on with the hacking? Uh-huh. But they're not doing anything. Of course not. Which, which is, again, putting party over country and putting the Russians over the Democrats, which is, of course, putting the Russians over country yeah. in some ways. Right. Well, also, also they can get their conservative judges, so the conservative judges can well, they can decide all the laws of the land, and uh, Congress doesn't have to actually do anything. Kavanaugh and Gorsuch, yep, those are those are going going to be really uh, significant choices for a long time, and not just Supreme Court. We're talking all the way down. We're talking about circuit appeals courts uh, judges. We're talking about all kinds of conservative judges that are being appointed right now. There's a lot of judges out there, Marcus. That's some a liberal, some conservative. I don't even know who to trust anymore. Me. All right. Um, also, just just lastly, there is a national prison strike. Uh, someone sent this to me on, on Instagram. I don't have it open right now. I apologize uh, that I'm blanking on your name. But uh, there's a national prison strike. It's going on August 21st. To, as, a matter of, as soon as Manafort gets in there, yeah. maybe you organized all this. <laughs> August 21st to September 9th, 2018. This is something I'm going to follow. Uh, this is according to the official press release, National Prisoner Strike. It says, men and women incarcerated in prisons across the nation declare a nationwide strike in response to the riot in Lee Correctional Institution, a maximum security prison in South Carolina. Seven comrades. They're going with comrades. Nice. That's good. They've been in the prison library. <laughs> Seven comrades lost their lives during a senseless uprising that could have been avoided had the prison not been overcrowded from the greed wrought by mass incarceration. Completely agree with that sentiment is 100% right. And a lack of respect for human life that is embedded in our nation's penal ideology. Absolutely. These men and women are demanding humane living conditions, access to rehabilitation, sentencing reform, and the end of of modern slavery. I looked through some of the bullet points. Uh, for the most part, I completely agree with them. And uh, it seems like this is something, uh, you know, I, I suppose I will support the the prison strike. It's going to be a hunger strike and things like that. And it's going to be lasting again August 21st through September 9th. Um, immediate improvement, some of just some of the concerns, immediate improvements to the conditions of prisons and prison policies that recognize the humanity of prison men, imprisoned men and women. Um, the immediate end to prison slavery. So, yeah, uh, it's an interesting little development there happening that's not getting any news. So thank you for uh, DMing me that story about the prison strike. It's, I, it's, it's happened. I believe it happened a couple of times before. Um, it's hard, you know, because they don't have a lot. They don't get a lot of power, not a lot of leverage. Yeah. Um, but there is certainly a lot of them. Yes. And they need to be not forgotten about in this crazy country of ours that incarcerates far too many people. And that's why when Donald Trump does criticize certain things, I say, oh, man, I just wish he had, like, I wish it was because of these issues, like when he talks about plea deals, when he talks about, yeah. you know. Um, it was a concern for anybody other than himself. Yes, concern for people nice. not getting due process or being wrongfully charged or whatever, but it's all about himself. Yeah, that would it, it require care and understanding, and he has neither. All right. Well, thank you all so much for listening. That was a big week this week. Exciting stuff. I mean, it's not even over yet. Something big could happen. Maybe they're going to book him on on Hannity. Maybe he'll do Hannity. (laughs) Maybe they'll book Hannity. Maybe they'll book Hannity. Actually, that is a possibility. What's that? That Hannity might be uh, brought up in all this stuff. 
Oh, in the trials. Oh yeah, check, yeah, it, check it out. Be. I'm not, not going to get into it too much here, but yeah, go go what and check n- it out. There's some there's some fun. His uh, name was mentioned in one. Oh yeah. my god, they they talk to each other. They say almost every night. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, all right, everyone. Thank y'all so much for listening. Um, I'm on Instagram at Ben Kissel One. Marcus Parks is Marcus Parks for everything. Uh, that'll do it. Hail yourselves, everyone. We'll talk to you soon. Is America's primary system working? Is the Electoral College still the best process for electing a president? Could a third-party candidate ever be successful? In a new season of You Might Be Right, former Tennessee governors Bill Haslam and Phil Bredesen gather the country's top experts to explore these issues and more as we approach the 2024 presidential election. Listen to You Might Be Right, a new podcast from the Baker School at the University of Tennessee, available now wherever you get your podcasts. Addiction plays hardball. He would hit me with these verbal attacks. I just said to him, I love you so much. You're such an amazing person. I can't take this ride anymore. It was the fact that dad made that sentiment and broke down. And years later, he told me it had a huge impact on him. Sometimes doing what's right for your loved one is the hardest thing to do. Karen is that right thing. Visit caron.org slash lost.